You're listening to Creatively Human with honest conversations about what matters to us and how it really feels to build an online business, put our work out into the world, make an impact in our own unique way, and importantly, to get well paid for it. I'm your host, Ruth Poundwhite, business mentor to quietly ambitious humans. Welcome back to another interview on the Creatively Human podcast. Today, I'm chatting with Kat Cuthbert all about working with your own tendencies. Kat describes herself as a messy-brained planner, writer, and mental health advocate who helps other messy-brained, imperfect humans find space to breathe in their work and life through online courses, workshops, and workbooks. Her approach is rooted in gentle, realistic self-development and creating a life with plenty of flex. We chat about planning and working in a way that puts your unique needs at the centre, working with chronic illness and disability, and creating flexibility within a structure that works for you. I know a lot of you will resonate with this conversation, and I really hope that it gives you a little bit of permission to choose your own way of planning and of doing business. Enjoy. Okay, so can we start by talking about what is different with the way that you do planning? So for me, it doesn't feel all that different anymore, I suppose, because I've been doing it so long this way. Um, When I first kind of discovered the planning community online and that planning was a thing that might help me, it was all very, and I think this is maybe similar to the kind of business world. It was very like hustle focused. Everything was like super like productivity focused. And also everything was really especially in the bullet journal community, like some really beautiful journals. And I love looking Mm. at them. And sometimes, yeah, I love setting up a really pretty spread in my journal, but it's not something that is sustainable for the way that I kind of work. So part of the way that it's different, although plenty of people use the system, is the bullet journal system, um, which I use as kind of my main bulk of planning because it was designed by somebody with ADHD, which is um, happens to work really well for my brain, actually. Um, but it's super flexible and I try to not kind of, um, put too much pressure on myself to do it every day. Mm. It's a thing that if it helps that day, I'm going to sit down with my journal and, you know, write out what it is that I need to do that day. Um, but some days it falls by the wayside and that's okay. A lot of it is that kind of like acceptance of, it doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to be any day, every day. It's there for whenever it helps. Um, And kind of taking a wider view, it's very much setting not goals that are based on kind of achieving a certain thing, but rather either being a certain way or bringing certain things in that I have as kind of like a longer term vision, because I've got to be so flexible with things and I never know what my body is going to be like in three months time. I kind of have this, uh, it's called, I call call it a future focus, but it's a very kind of, um, it's a bit more of a holistic view of things. So rather than I want to achieve this and I want to do this, it's these are the ways I want to be. And this is kind of like, it is visual for me. It's a visual kind of representation of how I want to feel and things around me to be. And so I draw on that each kind of month or a few months to kind of find and test whether I'm heading in the right direction. It's a, it sounds really kind of vague um, and it makes sense when it all pulls together, but it's so much less about having a concrete goal. Although I know that, for example, I want to set up a successful business. How I actually go about doing that is a really kind of winding path. And it's just constantly adjusting to make sure that I can handle it, that it works for where I am in life right now, but also that I'm as close to being in the right direction as I can be. Yes. So yeah, it's a very fluid kind of flexible way of doing it. And it sounds maybe a little bit like 
not concrete, which for my brain can be quite hard, but it's the way that I found I can kind of plan things and actually move towards things in the best way. Yeah. And and what is the alternative when, like, if you followed the kind of hustle approach that you first saw in the planning world, like, how did that work out for you? And what, like, led you to move away from that way of doing things? I mean, I love the idea of it. I love the idea of being a person <laughs> who's super, like, you know, yeah. goal oriented and absolutely like powers through tasks every day. But at the time I found the planning community, I was in the midst of like a mental health breakdown. So I knew as much as I wanted it to be true for me, it, it absolutely wouldn't have worked for me at that point. And so even from then, I had to kind of find this alternative way. And um, like, I'm fascinated by the like the productivity community and the planning community, but it is very like, I don't know, it just seems a bit strict for me. Mm. And weirdly, so I'm autistic, which means I love routines and I love things that are defined. But as soon as I have a solid routine, it works for me for about a week and then I have to switch. I get bored, I get like rebellious for it. And it's the same with goals. I can want it's not that like I change my mind frequently but I can kind of set a goal and then get halfway through it and be like well actually my direction isn't quite there I'm not I don't always know what I want at exactly the right time I suppose um the idea of all the hustle stuff I loved and even when I started like getting into the business community online too it had that same kind of feel of like getting stuff done and you know being successful and powerful and it felt great but it also felt really anxiety inducing mm. and I just knew that it wasn't it wasn't sustainable for me as soon as I try to work in that way I absolutely collapse and then I have to take like a week off and a load of naps yeah. which um is one of my signals that things are not working yeah that's interesting <laughs> and I know that a lot of people will resonate to this with, with this um I certainly had I certainly had that feeling about the online business world and the hustle. And I'm really glad that the conversation has changed massively since I started my business. There is so much talk of not hustling now, but yeah, I, I see what you mean. So it sounds like you went through a few phases of trying to fit in with the, the way things are generally done and then crashing. Yes. And this was a few years back. Like, so the conversation yeah. absolutely has changed. And I think within the planning community too, it has changed. It's like moved away. Although there are, you know, and I'm, I completely respect the people who can work that way and that works for them. Absolutely. But it's just not the way that I work. And I think it's not the way that a lot of us work. And I am really glad that that conversation has shifted. And now we're talking more about like mindfully building things in a way that actually works for us. And it's not so much about kind of bragging that you have six figure business businesses all the time, which like, of course, I'd love a six-figure business, but also there are other ways to go about things and there are other ways to lead lead a life and build a business that are just as valid. Mm, yeah, I love that. And and I guess for me it's all about it's all about making it sustainable. You could have a big push towards a goal or a, you know, a business thing that you're launching, but if you crash at the end of it, it's not sustainable. So yeah, I know a lot, a lot of people will resonate with that. So, okay, so you went through this process of trying to do things a certain way, realizing it didn't work, reevaluating. Um, do you have any advice for people listening on getting getting that awareness of like, so yes, a big crash is quite like a big sign, but there's there's more subtle signs, I would imagine. Well, I know as well. Do you have any advice for anyone listening on gaining that awareness of what you actually need in the first place? So a really practical one would be journaling. 
Mm. which is something I resisted for a long time. I think because I've done a lot of therapy and, you know, I've seen psychiatrists and so it feels like you've done the inner work, but actually I think journaling brings a whole, it's kind of a different, not a different perspective because it's your perspective, but it allows you to get your own thoughts out in your own way. And I think gradually through that, you can start to understand what it is that you need. Um, it's how I started listening to gut feelings because before that I didn't have gut feelings well I must have had them I didn't know how to listen to them um, and I think it really helps with that um, obviously there are the big signs like having a crash please don't go that far it's not fun um, but I find for me things like I my fatigue will flare like I will get significantly more tired and have to take more naps and find that my concentration is foggy um, I think one a lot of people are probably dealing with at the moment is willpower we kind of see it as this, um, it was originally seen as like a finite resource. I've been doing like research into this recently, so I'm kind of a Ooh, bit fascinated. Um, and that's where the, the theory of ego depletion, which might be one that you've heard of, um, came from. Is this idea that willpower kind of draws on some finite mental resource. But actually, through more studies, they figured out that they think that willpower is more like an emotion. So it kind of ebbs and flows. And if you think about things like when you get into a flow state, you're not using willpower to do that work. It's just happening. Um, and so there's sort of talk about how successful people don't actually use willpower. They work in a way that they don't need to use willpower. But I think at the moment with everything going on, um, it's we're using up a lot of our mental resources and it becomes really hard to kind of have that flow of willpower more often. So it kind of, I think we're, a lot of us are finding it more difficult to do things that were significantly easy beforehand. Um, mm. And that struggle to do things that you even enjoy, I think is a bit of a, uh, a flag for me. And obviously, you know, if it's getting to the point of depression, then that's, that's a whole other thing. Yeah. But just, you know, those small, th the small things that usually help you feel improved when they start to become difficult, that's, a little bit of a flag for me I think yeah yeah that's really helpful and what you said about willpower and the flow that is that's been a big one for me like I'm obsessed with flow because it's mm. like this is where I find the conversation on productivity oh sorry procrastination especially and like you beat yourself up about procrastinating on certain things but it's like when you can find the flow it some of those kind of barriers just they go and you just like get the stuff done and it doesn't drain you as much although it's it's a lot harder to get into that state of flow when there's so much going on mm -hmm. and we're all very tired and i've certainly experienced a lot more fatigue in the last year i don't know if it's related to the pandemic or not it certainly coincided um with lockdown and stuff and i mean a lot of the stuff you said was very relatable to me as well and it's I think so what you said about journaling and being able to put things out there in your in, in your own words, I think that's really, really useful. And I think there comes the more let me know if you can if you relate to this, but I feel like the more I dig into this stuff, the more I try and understand how I feel. Um, so I might identify that I'm feeling really fatigued after doing certain things or having like a really high visibility week in my business or something like that, which I've literally just had. Um, I might identify that the more I can identify that, the less I judge myself for it I don't know if you can relate to that I think that makes sense I think when you realize that something is normal for you you yeah. stop the judgment kind of decreases I, I mean I hope it's that way for most people because that it really it really can be helpful to figure out like okay this is just a way that I work 
I think that the identifying of feelings and realizing that they are normal for us is part of that figuring out how it is that you work. Um, and I think practicing kind of, yeah, sometimes it takes practicing self-acceptance to be like, okay, so I do get tired after this thing. That's okay. Mm. How are we going to deal with it rather than fighting it? Because mm. I think when you start fighting the way that you're feeling, it becomes really, really difficult mm. to move forward in any way. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So in that kind of journey that you've personally been on, how have you found that? Did you or do you fight it much? Or how did you get to a place where you can accept that and go with what you need? So yeah, it's been a long, a long road. Um, so I've dealt with mental health challenges, probably since I was in my teens, but I was diagnosed when I was 18 or 19 with depression to begin with. Um, and since then, <laughs> there have been three mental health breakdowns um, and then some kind of physical diagnosis from that. And so I think I was forced a little bit into accepting that I had certain ways that I needed to work or I'm always hesitant to say limitations, but I don't know that limitations is necessarily a bad thing. I think we mm. kind of, we forget that we all have them because they're, they're not seen as like valid reasons for not being able to do something mm. or in, you know, so it sounds like a negative, but I don't actually think it is because I don't think that there is a bad thing in knowing where your limits are. I think that's mm. definitely a good thing. Um, it was kind of a long, yeah, a long path. And absolutely, I still do fight against how I feel sometimes. And it takes my other half being like, you're acting like a grumpy toddler. I think you need to take a nap, <laughs> which is really helpful. Um, but I don't always notice it. I think probably the biggest example of acceptance, and it's not really, accept is it acceptance of how I work? I'm not sure. So I was diagnosed with a few chronic illnesses, which really affect the way that I kind of function. Um, and there was a really long process of accepting them as part of just how I need to move through the world. But it was the point where I picked up and actively identified with being disabled mm. that I stopped fighting and everything got so much easier. And it was a very strange thing because for a lot of able-bodied people or non-disabled people, that, um, that identifying with being disabled, I think to a lot of people can look like giving up because it's that kind of, well, you're not fighting to get better. You're not, you know, you're not, what are you, what are you doing now? You're not, because the push is always to be better or, you know, to do more than you can currently do. But that acceptance of going, well, no, actually I am disabled and that's an okay thing. And kind of my, I've got involved in the disability community online, which was so incredibly helpful. It's another level of self-acceptance that, yeah, this is how I need to move through the world. And that's okay. And suddenly everything became significantly easier. My mood lifted. I was able to actually do things because I wasn't constantly fighting against my own body all the time. I was just, this is how it is and that's all right. We will do what we need to do today. It was a weird, a really strange thing. And it, it was really strange, like to explain to my parents, like I identify disabled now. I think to them looked a little bit perhaps like, is this you not trying to get better anymore? And it's not that I'm never saying I will get better, but what it is is saying, this is how things are now. This is how I need to interact and move through the world. And it just, it was like a light bulb switched on and suddenly life felt so much easier. <laughs> wow, that's so powerful because I think that, I don't know if it's even correct to say it like this, but like it, it could be a late, it could be considered to be a label. And when you label yourself a certain way, it could be you're limiting yourself and you're putting yourself inside a box, but 
I mean, like I said, I don't know if it's even right to say that being disabled is a label, but in your case, it's it's a useful one. Absolutely. I think maybe think of it, I'm always hesitant to kind of compare labels, as you yeah. say, because they're, you know, they're describing very different communities. But the so two labels I identify with, one is disabled and one is queer. Mm. So I think labels, yes, I can understand that it looks perhaps like that's you're putting yourself in a box, but it isn't for these ones specifically, at least, I think because it's more, it opens up community. It means that you have a way of describing what it is that you deal with. And it's different for everybody, whether we're talking about queerness or we're talking about disability, everyone has a different experience of that, but it's a way of saying here is kind of a general format for my experience. This is how I connect with the world. This is how I relate to the world. And, you know, there are, I know there are plenty of people who say things like, Oh, would it be great if we didn't have to, you know, label ourselves as queer and we were just people. But actually, it's really helpful because it does provide that community and it does provide that kind of blueprint almost of people who've been before you Mm. to figure out how you can move through the world in a better way. Mm. Oh, I love that. It's really, really powerful. And I know it's not the same thing, but I remember when I realized I was an introvert and (laughs) that was just like it, it, it sort of rewrote loads of stuff that was in my brain about what it meant to like be a human in the world and interact with people and how you feel afterwards. And um, unfortunately, I didn't even know what an introvert was until I was 25. I mean, it would have been very helpful. I mean, I guess there's this whole, yeah, this whole thing about like labeling in childhood, whatever. Maybe it wouldn't have been helpful if I had known it then, but it was certainly helpful to discover it as an adult and just realize, okay, this explains a lot. And it actually, it actually, it was, I don't find it restrictive. I find it quite freeing, interestingly. Yes, and I think it really can be in the right circumstances. a very specific example for me, it sounds like I'm just talking about medical stuff at the moment. I was diagnosed as autistic two years ago and I spent ages trying to figure out whether diagnosis was actually what I wanted to do because would it be helpful? Yeah. But actually having somebody say, no, you do see the world in this certain way and here are some ways that you can you know, work to help yourself with that. It was really validating somebody saying, you know, this is how you see the world. And I think it's kind of, it's similar with things like introversion and extroversion. I'm definitely an introvert too. It just... I remember reading, uh, I think it was a Susan Cain book, Quiet, start reading it going, it makes sense all of a sudden. (laughs) Yeah. And I think they can be really helpful in that way. When you find them limiting, fine, then put them down for a while. You know, they're not, they they don't define you. What they do is kind of give you a, uh, almost like a different framework to look at the world through, I suppose. Yeah, absolutely. And I was just thinking like, if we take this back to what we were talking about planning and you think about, there's a way things are done in planning, in business, in life, in productivity, whatever. There's a way things are done. And thinking about Susan Cain's book, for example, about introversion, like it was a long time ago that I read it, but as far as I remember, she talks about how we can do things differently, how we could structure things differently in the workplace or in schools and stuff. That's where it, it, it feels very useful because it's like, yeah, there's a way things are done and there's lots of people who benefit from the way things are generally, but there's lots of people who, who, think they can't do a thing because they don't fall into that way of doing it and there are other ways and i think that um yeah just taking it back to kind of the planning example that's obviously really really helpful that the conversation is now opened up and there's like i guess it's like intersectional planning you know (laughs) intersectional ways of doing things that everyone has unique ways of being unique um unique needs and 
you find your own way of doing things that meets all those needs hopefully yeah i mean there are <laughs> as many ways of doing things as there are people in the world yeah. everybody needs it slightly differently and i think the world is set up to kind of cater for not not even necessarily the majority but just sort of as many people as it can for now mm. in in an at least an all right enough way you know like i think actually i think it is in susan kane's book she talks about how in like um primary schools you're all sat around grouped tables yeah. which is great if you're an extrovert but can be really difficult if you're an introverted kid and so kind of you know even back from school things are set up in a really certain way and i think it for me it took mental health breakdowns to figure out that that didn't work for me at all um, I think there are slightly less dramatic ways to figure out that it doesn't work for you. Mm, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, there is definitely a conversation opening up about all the different ways that they, you know, that for, for you to plan your day, for example, mm. um, or for you to set goals, it isn't just the kind of standard where you need to aim really high all of the time and work until you sleep and then you wake up and then you work again. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's a much more kind of nuanced conversation opening up around that. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So let's move on to like, you've figured out, you've identified these needs, you've kind of figured out maybe a few things that you can change or, or ways to do things differently. How do you stick to that? Because as someone who is working on this stuff too, I find, I think it's important to talk about the fact that it's not just figured out. It's not just something that is then easy to do it your way because there's a lot of factors at play. For example, comparing yourself to other people and potentially the speed at which they do things or the how loud they are, whatever, or just the fact that sometimes the dominant message, the one that can feel the loudest might be different. So how do you deal with that? Just like um, sticking with it and knowing yourself and trusting yourself in moments where you might compare or feel like things are a bit noisy out there. So I guess there's two parts to it. I think First, the, the 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 kind of practical aspect of actually doing it and starting to implement those things is do it slowly mm -hmm. and bit by bit. It's like building a habit. If you try and build six habits all at the same time, you're probably not going to actually manage to bring any of them in in kind of a successful, sustainable way. So when you figure out things that might be helpful for you, doing them in small doses and then gradually building up is a way that I find helpful. So, I mean... I figured out I needed naps and then would take really long naps, but then I would just not be able to do anything for the rest of the day because I'd kind of not overslept, but you know, sometimes you wake up and you feel much yep. tired. Yep. So it was figuring out where that kind of like that barrier was bit by bit and doing it slowly. Um, but I suppose from the kind of comparison side of things, I think a little bit of it is learning to put blinkers on. Mm. And I don't mean never look at what anybody else is doing because we're human and that's what we do. But um I mean, putting social media down for a bit is a huge one for me because mm. I know I know that so much of the things that I assume from social media that other people are doing are not necessarily true. Like yeah. it looks like people are doing so much, but it's that constant thing of it's the highlight reel on Instagram. It always, you know, it always is. Um, so finding a way to put that down as much as possible. And I think, well, I hope that kind of seeing the benefits of starting to work in a way that works for you is something that acts as, a bit more motivation to keep doing it and keep trying other things. Um, the fact that hopefully you are feeling a bit better for doing that. I think it can be really difficult, especially if you're coming from somewhere, I don't know, maybe in a corporate setting or perhaps, you know, you've been running a business in that hustle focused way for so long. It takes time to shift that mindset. And I think you've got to be quite gentle with yourself and the way that you go about doing it. It's not, 
it's not something necessarily that happens overnight because you've had a lifetime of doing it a different way. Yes. And so doing it bit by bit and offering yourself a bit of self-compassion as you try and figure it out. And the thing is, you're probably going to try things and they're not going to work for you. And that's fine. There are other ways of achieving, you know, similar aims, I suppose. Yeah. So yeah. bit by bit, go slowly. And uh, I'm always hesitant to say, try not to worry too much. That's such a difficult thing to do. <laughs> but find ways that allow you to like, not have to pay too much attention to other people for a while. Yeah, yeah. And I think that, yeah, what you said makes a lot of sense to me. And it's remembering it's a lifetime of stuff that you're figuring out like, or potentially unlearning, um, I think is really, really helpful. And just having, I, I think the whole like having the, com- the right communities of people and the right people to talk about it is so important. So like I'm in a mastermind group for business and often the conversation comes down to, well, how much are you resting? Like, uh, are you taking on too much right now? And it, it comes up so often. And on the outside, like we, all of us, I think probably in our respective businesses talk about it, we preach it, we, you know, we encourage it. And at the same time, we're all going through it and we all have ups and downs with it and we still make mistakes. And I'm, this is a podcast episode. You can't see me doing the air quotes, but I am mistakes with it and like pushing ourselves too hard. But um, yeah, it's an ongoing process and being okay with that is such a, such an important thing. And one thing you mentioned is social media. And I wanted to ask you about that because I certainly, I mean, I would say that we've probably both surrounded ourselves with people that, you know, get it and, and, you know, share a lot of the same views as us, but at the same time, it's still really easy to be taken, like get the comparisonitis and all of that. And the other thing I was curious about was, you know, you've got a pretty decent following on Instagram. I'm pretty, I'm, is that where you kind of, you've built up your platform? Is that your main yeah, pretty much. Up. That's yeah. where it's all yeah. started from. Yeah. So I'm wondering, like, especially as an introvert um, and a disabled introvert, I should say, like, how does it affect you? Does it the energy of having the like following that you have on social media and potentially the, your expectations of what those people expect from you? <laughs> Like, how does that all impact this and your way of working? And how do you navigate that? With difficulty. (laughs) (laughs) I have to keep reminding myself that my business is not Instagram because it's so easy to get tied up Mm. into, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, it's a tough one. And at the moment, it's something I'm, I say at the moment, it's something I'm struggling with. I think most of the time I am in, you know, various different ways. I'm trying to not necessarily pivot what I talk about, but pivot the way that I talk about it on Instagram and so I'm trying new types of content and new ways of communicating which actually really work for me but there's always that bit of me in the back of my head that's like yeah but there's all these people who are there for the journal photographs and you're not doing those anymore um which can be yeah difficult to deal with as far as comparisonitis goes um, I'm actually a really regular unfollower of people oh I love that (laughs) (laughs) it felt really naughty the first couple of times I did it but I realized I was following people that not necessarily were making me feel bad, but didn't make me feel great. Or I was finding I was comparing like my productivity level to theirs yes, or, yeah. you know, or my kind of content to their kind of content. Should I be doing it better or worse? So I'm trying to, with fairly, you know, with a fairly frequent kind of regularity, just go through my list and unfollow who isn't like adding something positive to my 
Instagram world, I suppose. Mm -hmm. Um, And sometimes on one round, somebody can be adding something hugely positive. And then by the next round, I find that my mindset shifted or I'm just in a bit of a weird place. And actually I need to unfollow them for a while. And I quite frequently unfollow and then refollow people. Um, And it's not, there's no, it's not intended with any form of malice or anything like that. It's just purely self-care in, you know, I need to be able to function because this is how I market my business. And this is the best way for me to do that. I think. Yeah. I have the same thing. And my kind of way of explaining it is literally, it's not you, it's me. Like it's nothing that's necessarily that they're doing. It just doesn't for whatever reason work for me right now or like do my mental health any good right now and it is so often right now it does often shift as well and they're almost you know I admire pretty much everybody I follow online and so you know I always have a huge amount of love for the work they do it's just not always kind of on exactly the right wavelength for me at that point I think also following a lot of disabled creators is huge for me um because there is always a conversation in those communities about the level of kind of productivity and how to navigate that as somebody who lives at a body that works a little bit differently. Um, and, you know, I'm talking about physical disability and mental health stuff too, both of which are like super, super helpful for me, I think, to just remind myself that it the world isn't just full of people who are doing, you know, loads and loads of stuff and, you know, being super successful all of the time. And also that there are so many different definitions of success and yeah. that my definition of it looks different and having that reminder from other people for whom the definition of success looks different is really helpful yeah yeah I totally agree um so you mentioned something about changing the way you post in a way that works for you what are some of the other ways like can you think of any other examples you could share with the listeners about the way that you work and and little like subtle or potentially big shifts you've made in the way that you work to suit you so to begin with I was posting um kind of flat lays of my journal with usually a post that kind of you know a caption about like mental health or something quite personal usually which I absolutely loved doing but as I've shifted kind of more towards making this a business rather than just an Instagram which I think is why I have to keep reminding myself that Instagram is not my business um I'm shifting more towards kind of educational stuff and I'm trying to do it still in kind of in a way that you know makes sense to people and is relatable and useful but I am a huge researcher I absolutely love researching stuff and I discovered about a month and a half ago that I was allowed to do that as part of my job um which was like this huge revelation of oh my god I can do this for like you know as part of an important thing I think that's part of you know important part of my life and so I'm now starting to give myself space each week to research whatever feels interesting and it's pretty much always related to work because thankfully I've managed to build up a business around something that fascinates me anyway um but just giving myself a couple of hours to do research and then gradually turning that into content so now instead of posting uh, photographs I'm posting more kind of graphics and educational stuff so carousels with more kind of text-based which is a little bit more how my brain works I loved posting the flat lays of my journal I'm you know probably will still post some of them it just it's expanded the amount of stuff that I can talk about I think and that feels really good I really quite like that yeah Um, to not be as maybe I think boxed in is probably the wrong word it's finding that balance between giving yourself a niche and also not boxing yourself in too much and I think it feels like it's opened up a little bit more and also I can post memes now which is like (laughs) it feels a little bit more light and like easy to do than spending 20 minutes setting up a like lovely front lay perhaps yeah 
Exactly. And I think what you shared about your Instagram posts is something that can be applied to anything you do in your business, really. Just sitting down, thinking about, okay, what's the process that takes me from, you know, an idea to writing the post, getting a photo, putting it out there, going through any kind of process like that that you do in your business and asking yourself, well, how can I make this easier for myself? How can I make this take a little bit energy of me? Or how can I incorporate something I love doing, like the research mm. into the thing I'm already doing? Um, and I just think I kind of wanted to highlight that as, as like people listening. There's always ways when you sit down and, and think about it to shift what you're doing. And sometimes they can be so subtle, but they can make such a huge impact, definitely in my experience. And actually, I wanted to ask you about your routine because you kind of touched on your daily routine and the way you do things. I'm really curious to hear like how you've made that work for you. Uh, I mean, to start with, it's constantly changing. Um, mm. <laughs> so you know, through what we've talked about, about figuring out what works for you, how you work. Um, it's kind of an ever-changing thing I've discovered. It's not, you know, there are some core things like, you you know, we've talked about being an introvert. That's that's something that's not going to shift. Yeah. But things like my energy levels over the day are constantly changing, which is really annoying. I wish they would stay the same, but it's okay because I'm figuring out a way to kind of make that work. So I feel in a way like I'm constantly testing new ways of doing it. So this week I'm trying to be up earlier, work in the morning and then have the afternoon off. And it's been moderately successful. And I'm kind of hoping to continue that for a bit. But I also know that in a few weeks time that might not work for me anymore. And I need to shift that. So I'm somebody who sits in a really strange place between I need like routine and reminders, but I need it to be flexible too, which sounds like two contradictory things, but it is possible, I think, um, I think it means a little bit adjusting how you approach it each day even. Um, so some days I'll use time blocking because I just need that constant like, now you're doing this, now you're doing this, now you're doing this. You've got an hour for this specific thing. And some days I find that really helpful. And other days it's much more, right, you're working 10 till 2 and here is the list of tasks you need to get done in that time. So it's really allowing yourself to be flexible in that way. And I think that's why using something like a bullet journal and not – you know, I don't pre-plan spreads. I can't use a pre-planned journal particularly well because I need to be so flexible. So I have practically, I have two journals. I have my bullet journal, which tends to hold tasks and like big monthly events that I've got coming up. It's where like lists of stuff go, or if I need to remember something, or if I have a business meeting with my other half, for example. But then I have a planner, which allows me to, it's like pre-planted with, um, with like the time down vertically so yeah. I can time block but only on the days that I need to mm -hmm. and at the moment it's been very few days but at the end of last year I was doing it almost every day so it's just allowing yourself to be flexible and I think some some journals that I see are so beautiful and beautifully set out and I would feel so guilty if I spent all of that time setting it up and then never used it because I needed it to be flexible so this kind of like scrappy not half-hearted but I'm not all in on one way yeah. of planning mm -hmm. really really helps me be flexible with that so yeah it's a mishmash which yeah. sounds it's not particularly great advice I suppose is it but it works it's possible to have that kind of routine and flexibility at the same time I feel the same I really resonate I I feel the same and I talk to people one of the things that comes up a lot for me is um how do you stay consistent posting on social media and I've realized that I need to have routine with it. I need to, otherwise it stresses me out. Otherwise it takes up space in my brain thinking, oh, I need to think of something to post or I need to decide what I'm gonna post. So I do now have a schedule and I do write things ahead of time, but 
it's never set in stone and it can always change at the last minute. I can always write something if I feel like it, or I can always take some time off if I feel like it. And the same with my planning. I really resonate with what you said about sometimes time blocking it. Like I, I can go months using like a planner really, really like properly. And then at the moment, I'm not really using anything like that. And I'm just like, it's, it's really interesting. And I, I've been thinking about this a lot because one of my kind of values for my business is definitely freedom and freedom for me means well a big part of it is flexibility and one thing i found in like building the business as i have is that i've had less and less flexibility because i've had more and more like specific calls in my calendar so i've been working a lot to think about okay well how can i how can i bring flexibility in in other ways and often flexibility ironically to me looks like schedule and routine but in a way oh it's so hard to describe like this is just what you were saying basically but it's like i need something being flexible for me having a wide open calendar and not planning at all does not work it just like creates anxiety basically and overwhelm overwhelm is my big problem if Mm. i don't plan anything um but it's just like yeah how do i create a schedule that can be changed that can be tweaked that that And that's the thing I always remind myself, whatever I decide now doesn't have to be the way it is. And even with client calls, this is a big one. And I know people listening will think, well, you can't change things like that because you're putting someone else out. But I do, I do tweak it. And I try not to do it all the time, obviously. I mean, even as we speak, we've rescheduled this call several times, right? I mean, sometimes you just got to do it, but. I think like, as long as you're, you know, as long as you're upfront about the fact that that's the way that you run your business, I don't think there's a problem with that at all. I think as long as people know, and then you're going to be attracting people to the business who work in a similar way to you, which is exactly mm. what you want anyway. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of as a way I talk about routine in that it's, I say that it's like the, it's almost like the clothes horse that you hang the fabric of your day on. So it's not, it isn't like, it isn't everything, but it just gives it shape. Mm. It kind of gives you that, I suppose, I suppose it gives you the flexibility to kind of move things around. Yeah. But like you say, having a whole day open, I don't know what I'm going to do if, yeah. you know, if everything is completely free. I need to have a few things in, whether they are like scheduled calls with somebody else or whether it's, oh, you need to complete this bit of work today. It really helps to just fit everything else around. And if the rest of the day looks fairly flexible, then, you know, that works. Brilliant. Yeah. It's just figuring out those kind of, <clears throat> excuse me, those small ways that you need to, move through the world I suppose yeah yeah and and when we were uh talking about what we we're going to talk about today one of the questions that you said you had for me was how do I run my business in a way that works with my natural tendencies rather than against them and it just brought up for me one of the other ways that I do this is and this is I mean when this episode goes out people listening if you go back a couple of episodes I interviewed Villemain Mass about building a team and outsourcing and honestly that is so helpful because it brings some it brings a layer of sort of stability and um what's the word I don't know some sort of structure it brings a layer of structure but it So within that, you know, I have to get like my social media posts to my social media manager. I have to get my work to my VA that she's working on a course I'm setting up, whatever forces me. So although this is kind of going against my natural tendencies, it forces me to be more organized, but actually that for me is best for me. Like that's what I've learned, but I can do that my own way as long as they have it by a certain time. Um, But that has helped me a lot. And I know that for some people they might think, 
that sounds like the opposite of what we're talking about. But for me, it's helped me so much. Basically taking things out of my own head helps me so much with my energy levels. And it helps me get in that flow state, actually, that we talked about earlier, having less stuff in my head and building a team, definitely a good one for that. It's it's interesting, actually, you talk about that. I've been looking a lot recently about how I suppose we get stuff out of our head. I think um, we hold a lot of stuff in our brains all of the time. And like working memory is notoriously unreliable. Um, I suppose maybe this is a bit of a tenuous link, but to kind of idea generation almost, you need kind of a free brain to think up new things and be creative. And Mm -hmm. brains can't distinguish between something that you've actually... So let me roll back a minute. Brains don't like open tasks. If you've Mm -hmm. got something that's incomplete, your brain's going to keep going back to it and thinking about it. Once you complete that task, then it's off your table and you're free to not think about it anymore. But brains can't distinguish between things that have actually been completed and things that you've just written down and postponed for another date. Mm. And so I wonder in a way if you having this team is a little bit, you're kind of postponing those things to them. You don't have to hold them in your brain anymore. You know, you know you're paying somebody else to have that in mm. their brain. It gives you more space and freedom and flexibility, like we've been talking about, to have your days however you need them. Obviously it takes time, you know, time that you would have been spending yourself on those things too. So it does physically give you more time, but it also frees up your brain a little bit, I think, to start doing, you know, the bits that you are good at and you can give the bits that somebody else is good at to them too. So it's, yeah, it's interesting that that's kind of, I don't know, it's sort of related in my brain a little bit to what I've been thinking about around idea generation and freeing up space for ourselves. Yeah. In our brains. And, I mean, the the, uh, the end goal and what I was speaking about with Villamain was like, basically, the end goal is for you to work within your zone of genius or your zone of magic and to have support for the other stuff. And obviously, not everyone listening and not me either is in that position where everything that you do is your zone of genius and, and you get support with everything else. But that's kind of the goal. Mm. And that's what I think that because there's a whole like, there's a lot of talk about doing less to um, like doing less in your business and still achieving the things that you want to achieve whatever that looks like and i think a lot of that is about being supported Mm -hmm. um i think that's important part of the conversation not necessarily because i know that having a team is not the goal of everyone but definitely certainly if you're not having a team it's it's certainly being really um discerning about the work that you do and like where you focus Mm. your time and energy Absolutely. It's figuring out the things that, you know, those states where you are more likely to get into a flow state, but also if, you know, if it's the right way and you can figure out all of those smaller things without another person, then brilliant. Maybe that's the right way to run a business for you. Um, There's another point I was going to make and I've completely, it's completely come off the top of my head. No, I've lost it. (laughs) (laughs) Typical. Let me know if it comes back, but yeah, no, I, I, I think it's really, really useful to talk about all this. And I think, is there anything else you want to say on the general topic subject of this? Because I think I've asked all my questions, but yeah, on the general topic of working around your own tendencies, is there anything else you want to add for the people listening? I think, you know, what we've talked about a lot with kind of journaling and really listening to that gut instinct around things is super important, but also kind of zoom, like, in a bigger way, figuring out your motivations behind things can be super helpful too. Um, because sometimes, you know, for example, most days I need to take a nap, but perhaps if I am one of those days where I've somehow zoomed in on a thing that I'm super passionate about, I can spend the entire day like hyper-focused and, and going with that. So figuring out the ways that you need to work 
I suppose it's figuring out the ways that you need to work, but it is also that kind of figuring out what your motivations are, what the bigger kind of picture is and that why around things. And so sometimes mm-hmm. that's, you know, you're going to have to shift and maybe it's a bit of give and take kind of compromise with those needs occasionally as well. It's allow yourself to be flexible and figure out what is important, I suppose, are the big two like wider bits of advice I have yeah yeah I love that and and like you said I think that journaling has been like instrumental for me in figuring that stuff out so so important it's a really great way to kind of gradually learn to get in touch with yourself and absolutely you know I'd had therapy and seen psychiatrists and stuff and so for so long I was very much like I don't need to do that you know I know all this stuff about myself but it really is putting it in your own words in your own way and learning what your own kind of signals that you need something different are and that that's something that no one else can teach you. That's something you've got to figure out for yourself. Yeah. And what you said about gut instinct, I cannot tell you how many times I can, like, I've been going with my gut feeling on stuff lately and it's been paying off. And it's just like, I'm really, really interested by the whole gut feeling stuff. And I've tried to find like research about it. And there is like research that says, you know, it is, it isn't just like magic. It, it comes from, you know, your own experience, but it, it, it obviously takes a certain level of self-awareness and self-trust to allow yourself to firstly access that gut feeling and secondly actually go ahead with it like based on choose your action based on it but yeah it has it, it, it's like quite fun actually to, I've just been like hmm what's my gut telling me about this I just go with it and it's like yeah that's the right thing or you know it's just so interesting but it yeah. is it's that it's that kind of like combination of experience and you know what you've experienced in the past yeah comes to you as this gut feeling as it were and you know we can talk about intuition and stuff that's a similar thing I think um yeah whenever I'm like struggling with gut instinct stuff I come back to a lot of the stuff that you've written and go okay Ruth can do this so I'm going to figure out a way of doing it because I've just never done it before I'd spent my entire life completely ignoring my gut instinct because it was what I was told I needed to do yeah and then so to kind of spend time trying to listen to it it feels really vulnerable it's a really you know it can be a not a jarring experience but it's really like if you've never done it before it feels so strange but it I think is it feels important. dangerous if, I think it can feel dangerous. dangerous yes yeah yeah like or what's the word silly yeah silly too uh, I think also because we describe things as intuition they tend to be kind of like female coded I suppose yeah. like feminine yeah. as it were which can sometimes I don't know feel a bit dangerous I've been getting more recently into kind of like the woo side of things as well and that has that same kind of silly feeling yeah but it feels super important to do at the same time yeah I think because we've you know we value like logic and reason yeah above other things and so to kind of say oh well I've gone with my gut instinct feels really opposite so it does yeah it can be an interesting thing to try out and the thing about logic and reason is that your brain can be very logical about things that actually are not facts if you see mm-hmm. what I mean like okay I want to start a podcast or something your brain can come up with lots of valid reasons to not do the thing that you want to do so many and sometimes the gut so basically what a gut feeling is 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 your body saying something to you before your brain like says yes. it and, and before your brain talks you be, out of it yeah exactly so it's actually <laughs> very useful in many ways and your brain is not always right Yes, no, often often brains are wrong, unfortunately. They're very good at coming up with logical reasons why you shouldn't do things. Very, very good. Sometimes, yeah, exactly. Listening to that gut instinct that comes in before your brain can give you, yeah, a bit more of a, a gauge on what it is you actually feel about the thing before you're then covered up with plenty of reasons that you shouldn't be doing the thing. <laughs> yeah, 
Definitely. Okay, right. I'm going to ask you a final question. I picked this question at random and it is, when was the last time you cried and why? So the last time I cried was yesterday um, and we had to chat about this. Um, Saw on your Instagram stories. Yes. <laughs> so it's, a, <clears throat> excuse me, it's the first time I've been a bit candid about that in, in a while, I think. Um, I had had a good morning I had got some decent work done I'd written some notes for some meetings that I had coming up and then I tried to um I tried to create social media posts and my brain had just been like nope I'm not doing this I think I was having what I term a particularly autistic day in that some days my brain just really does not deal with change at all and it doesn't like when things aren't rational um my other half had noticed that I was getting a bit snappy because like I had wanted to do three hours of work in between nine and 12. So obviously that makes perfect sense, but you know, life happens. You've got to go make a cup of tea or like the postman comes or, you know, so I'd found myself getting more and more frustrated and which turned into me having a big old cry about why wouldn't things work the way that I wanted them to work. And a large part of it came from the social media stuff um, because I had all of these ideas and I couldn't put them, I couldn't make them into a thing. So it was a cry of frustration, a productive cry. And afterwards I did, no, afterwards I didn't feel better, but this morning I feel better. I think sometimes you've kind of just got to let it leave your body physically. Absolutely. You know I mean? Yep. And crying <laughs> literally is stuff like hormones yeah. or something, right? Leaving your body. I, yeah, I, there is a theory that it's that. I For me, I say that it's it's just emotions because I don't yeah. necessarily have like, they're not always nuanced. Sometimes they just come out of my eyes. I don't know yeah. how to deal with them, you know? Yeah. But um, yeah, I love, I need, I want to read more about that actually, because I think it is, there is like hormones coming out. It's almost like your body has too much stuff in. So yeah. okay, we're going to shove it out your eyes. Yeah. Oh, well, <laughs> thank you. And thank you for sharing so openly about that and about everything. I think a lot of people are going to resonate with this. So thank you. Thank you. It's been lovely. And if you want to find out more about Kat and her work, you can find her on Instagram at Books of Notes and at booksofnotes.co.uk. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Creatively Human. If you have a moment, I'd be so grateful if you could rate and review the podcast. It really does make a difference. And if you'd like to carry on the conversation or ask a question for a future Q&A episode, there are three ways to connect with me. On the Facebook group, on Instagram, at Ruth Poundwhite, or my personal favourite, my behind-the-scenes newsletter. Just go to ruthpoundwhite.com forward slash newsletter to subscribe and keep doing what you're doing because your work really does matter.